Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Kingdom Strength Training was given by Bill Dogtrum and is the 16th in our series, The Kingdom. The religious leaders in Jerusalem, uh, he is kind of building a head of steam, if you will, building some momentum. And then he turns the corner and in the fourth chapter begins to teach his disciples what life in the kingdom is actually going to be like. So he tells us three stories, and Darren's walked you through those uh, in the last couple of weeks, the, 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 the varieties of response to the seed being sown that are going to happen in the course of uh, every time the disciples sow the seed of the kingdom. The second one is the confidence that we can have in the seed that is sown, that we don't need to be worrying the seed. We can just sow it and let it grow and then pay attention to the opportunities that God gives us to participate with him in harvest. And then the third one, the most radical one of all, is that this kingdom uh, starts off insignificant and tiny and, and, and ineffectual, it appears, but soon it begins to take over every square inch, every cubic inch of in the life of which it is in, in, in which it is planted, and then goes beyond and provides shelter for all of those people that are the marginalized and the outside and the people who don't have a place. The kingdom is like that. So those are the three kind of framework things that Jesus has been doing in the fourth chapter. So we pick up the story here now in verse 35 uh, in, in the fourth chapter uh, of uh, Mark, verse 35. So here he has been teaching all day, and then it says, verse 35, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind... They took him with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose. Waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled now with great awe and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So we're going to just take some time to think about the answer to that question. Anybody wonder that when you're in the middle of things? Don't you care? You know, you feel like your, your life is, is being swamped and, and you wonder if Jesus is helping, if he cares enough to help, if he cares enough to show up, if he cares enough to, to do anything. So that's, that's the thing. And then when he does show up, it's like, what happened there? Who, who is this? Right? So was, there's this... this this, this spin on, on how things are, are, are going to go. Because I'm going to suggest to you that when they woke him up, they didn't intend him to do anything but help bail. Right? Because um, who was he to them? Remember, the, the text begins with this line. They took him in the boat just as he was. Can you, guy, would you Larry, would you mind just, or uh, Kevin, leave the, leave the text up and let's just walk through it together. You'll notice that it says... They took him in the boat just as he was. Who was he to them? So far in the fourth chapter, Jesus has been revealed as a teacher. 
He can work some cool miracles. He heals mothers-in-law. He does uh, cast out demons, those kinds of things. But that's who they take him in the boat with him, right? And you'll notice here that it says um, that day, the, the, the one that, that we're talking about, he's been teaching, so on. This is the Jesus at the end of that day. He's weary. He has been teaching all day. He's been walking with people, and they take him in the boat just as he was. So he's on, in this boat. It's a boat probably uh, suitable for accommodating 12 to 15 people. Uh, they have discovered one similar to it uh, in the mud uh, of the Sea of Galilee, not too far actually from where this, this scene takes place. Uh, if you can imagine the Sea of Galilee like this, uh, we're right here on the northwest corner. Uh, it's about four and a half, five, maybe, maybe up to six and a half miles across this way. Down here, it's about three miles, top to bottom, about 13 miles. It's about um, 650 feet below sea level. So this is where, this is where we are. We're here, and we're gonna, we're, he says, let us go to the other side, which is over, over here, to the west side. And right away, the disciples are starting to get anxious because every good Jewish boy had a mama who said to them, don't go to the other side. Now, why? Well, on this side, it's home. On this side, it's Jewish territory. On this side, it's where the Israelites and their descendants live. But on the other side is where the worshipers of Baal settled. It's where the demonic presences have residence. It's Gentile territory. It's not just Gentile territory, though. It's frightening territory because there are demonic presences. There are spiritual realities. And so the way to, to negotiate this, every good Jewish mom would tell her boy, don't go to the other side. So here's this rabbi saying to them, uh, let's go to the other side. You, you with me? Now, what makes this worse? Did you notice the time of day at which this occurs? It says, when evening had come. This is not good news for these disciples. Remember that most of the fishermen in the first century can't swim. They only fished within 100 yards or so of the land. Always within sight. You're starting to... Feel the tension that's building here? Because we know the outcome, right? We know how this story ends. But they didn't. They're at the beginning of the story. They're learning into this. You with me? So evening is a technical term. It refers to the time between the, the, when the bottom of the sun hits the horizon and when the top of the sun hits the horizon. That's evening. That slice of time right in there. In other words, it's getting... Dark And as it gets dark, they set out here. By the way, this is important because when Sabbath begins, you need to have, you have from this time when the bottom of the sun hits the horizon to this time when the top of the sun hits the horizon to prepare to enter into Sabbath, to light the candles, welcoming the Sabbath on the Friday. So they knew what evening was. You with me? So it's getting dark. And Jesus says to them, Let's go to the most terrifying, frightening place that you've ever been warned about. Let's go. Right? Now, these guys are not dumb. They're professional fishermen. At least five of them are. So they're, they're okay, well, you know, he's, he, he, okay. And, and they get in the, and start to, to row across, across. And we're fine. Until what happens? 
First, they leave the crowd behind. Did you notice that? So this is not for the crowd. Whatever is going to happen here is not for the crowd. It's for, for the disciples. It's for the people who have committed themselves to following him. And as they go out across, you'll notice that what it says, that um, they took him in the boat and other boats were with him. Go ahead in the next one. And, and were invited into this adventure. A great windstorm arose. If you can get back, if, if, if this makes any sense to you, here we are. So we're 650 feet below sea level. You with me? All right. On this side are mountains. On this side are mountains. On the other side of the mountains is a desert. So if you can imagine um, like a Santa Ana, wind, gale force winds blowing at this time of the year pretty much every night. They come hot off the desert, climb up over the mountain, and then what do they do? They come straight down on the surface of this little lake. Seven miles across, 13 miles down. And what happens when wind, gale force winds, 100, 100 miles an hour, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 miles an hour winds blow straight down on a body of water? What happens to that body of water? Especially a little body of water. You, you, you get it? So, so what's happening is what they knew would happen because these are fishermen. That's one of the reasons why they didn't fish all night. They got up early in the morning and went out after the winds had died down. These guys are not stupid. They're following, however, a stupid rabbi because he's a carpenter. What does he know for wind? You with me? So they're going, I, I should warn you, this is my favorite passage of Scripture, so I get really excited about this. Okay, I'm, I'm, I took my Prozac this morning, and I'm really trying to calm down. But this is just so exciting to me. So, okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> it's not good for my heart either, you know. So, so here we are, heading across in the middle of the night, basically, right? It's a little bit, about seven miles. Okay, now I'm not a fisherman, and, and I'm, I'm not a sailor, but I'm thinking that if you get more lake in the boat than boat in the lake, you've got problems. Does that make sense? Sooner or later, the, the boat is no longer sitting on the surface. It's beginning. And these are fishermen, so they know when the boat is being swamped. Right? So what are they doing? They are doing what he told them to do. They are rowing as fast and furiously as they can. And they are bailing water out of this boat. And their concern is they're not keeping up with the water that's coming in. You can see that moment where they just think, if I'm just going to work a little bit harder, I can get this out. I can keep ahead of it. Oh, crap. We're going to die. You, you, get that, you get that moment? So what do they do? They double their efforts. It's, 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 oh, dark hundred. They can't see nothing in front of their eyes. You with me? And, and, and when they finally get the, the guy at the back nearest to, to the stern, they look back and what do they see? They see Jesus asleep on, it says, the cushion. What the heck? Help us out, right? So, so, so what's, what's going on here? A couple things. This boat has, a, has an elevated stern section. I think that's the back end of the boat, right? Somebody help me out here. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, and on this stern, and, and typically um, it, it was reserved for the owner of the boat or the helmsman. It was attached to the back of the boat, had a, a, a what do you call that, tiller? 
A what? Rudder. Cool. I should get ready for this sermon before. Anyway, so, so you have this rudder right there. And who's supposed to be steering the boat? Now, now, when you are in calm seas, you can steer the boat by rowing properly. But when the wind is chaotic, when the storm is blowing, you need somebody at the back end who keeps the nose of the craft heading into the waves so you don't get swamped. And what is that guy doing? He is not sitting on the cushion watching. He is sleeping on the cushion. Anybody know the anxiety that they must have felt at this time? It's like the one guy who can keep us focused in the right direction so we have half a chance against this thing, right, is sleeping. So they wake him up. Now, I've got to be honest. These are fishermen. Jesus is a, is a stonemason, right? So it's like, uh, th- this is not a gentle, Jesus, hello, are you in there? Help us. No, they're, they're drowning. Water's splashing, right? The boat is filling up with water and, 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 and other things. And, and, and so they are shaking him away. Don't you care that we are about to perish? Now, what did they expect him to do? The answer, I think, is found in who they thought he was. He was their rabbi. He was their teacher. He was a healer. So what do teaching rabbis who heal do in the storm? Well, at the very least, steer. Failing that, help us bail. Get get your butt out of the seat and get somebody back there who knows what he's doing and help us out here. Now, this is an interesting language because it says here that Jesus was, um, he woke up. Now, the Greek in behind this is this idea of being aroused or being stirred. Anybody been in a deep sleep and have somebody just kind of wake you up when you're not expecting to wake up? How, How quickly do you wake up? I don't wake up very fast. And I'm suspecting Jesus, exhausted at the end of the day, probably didn't wake up. In fact, the text gives us the idea that he kind of just leans up on his on one arm and looks over the waves and say, shut up. Leary-eyed, he then looks at the disciples and says, how is it that you have no faith? And then he goes back to sleep. This is not Charlton Heston standing up. Peace, be still. Nothing like that. It's, the, it's this, because this is not exertion for Jesus. This, he doesn't have to eat his Wheaties to do this. This is, this is just... A natural inclination. He is able to do this with his spoken word. And please notice what happens. It does not say that the wind died down and the storm abated. It says the wind ceased, stop, and the, there was a dead calm. Can you, can you imagine this? This just freaks me out. Because you've been in a storm, right? The wind is blowing, the waves are going, and, and then all of a sudden, nothing. No wind and no waves. All of a sudden, they're rolling as fast as they can, bailing, bailing, bailing. Now, where are they going? They're going to the other side. Who lives on the other side? 
demonic presences. What language has Jesus used to still the storm? He has used the same language that he has, they have heard him use to exercise, to cast out demons earlier on. So this storm is not just a Santa Ana blowing down the surface. They understand with his language that this storm has supernatural implications to it. Somebody's trying to kill him. You with me? Something is oppositional to them. So Jesus' stilling of the storm sounds to us like a wonderful thing. In fact, anybody else find yourself just, just praying, Lord Jesus, still the storm? Right? You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And in fact, usually when we hear this passage, this is what is taught, that Jesus wants to still the storms in your life. What did Jesus want to do? He wanted to sleep. Right? Are, are, we, are we okay with that? He wanted to sleep. He didn't want to still the storms. He knew how to do that, but he didn't want to do it. He wanted to sleep. How do we know that Jesus wanted to sleep? Because he was sleeping. It's not rocket science. And he would have continued sleeping had they not woken him. Please notice, it was not faith that woke him. It was fear that woke him. It was not faith that stilled the storm. It was his response to their fear that stilled the storm. Perhaps you, it would be helpful to remind you again that in this region, I told you that, that the worshipers of Baal settled. Do you remember what Baal was responsible for in the Old Testament? He was the god in charge of weather, wind waves, sea. Where are we going? Now you begin to understand why the text said they were more afraid when the water had stilled than they were when the water and storm was raging. And the question is, who is this? The options are not good. It's either an embodiment of the God who has capacity over this to whose land we are going, Vail, which is given the language that Jesus is using, a possibility, or had they paid attention in Sunday school or synagogue school, they would have recognized that this was also what God does. Psalms tell us that God rides the waves, that he sits on the flood, that he has capacity and power over the storms. Now, if you had a choice, bail in the boat, or God Almighty in the boat, which would you choose? This is their dilemma. Who is this? You see? Who is this? And I've said to this to you before, we're on the way to chapter 8 when they finally answer that question. But right now, they're still trying to sort it out. They're still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to make sense of this. Now, the question that I want to put to you and, and, and have you think with me about this morning is what in the world is going on here? Because as long as this is a nice story about Jesus wanting to still the storms in my life, I'm good to go. Anybody else? That sounds wonderful. But if this is a story about a Jesus, a God who might sleep through the storms in my life, that's not, that's not good news. 
Anybody else frustrated by that kind of Jesus? This letter, this epistle, Mark, was written to the church at Rome in about 65, 66, 67 A.D., which, as you recall, perhaps was a season of intense persecution that they believed, and I think legitimately so, had uh, spiritual overtones. Because they would not say with everybody else, Caesar is Lord. Instead saying, Jesus was Lord. They were undergoing significantly intensifying persecution. And you see bits and pieces of it. Some of them were, were dipped in pitch and set on fire while still alive to illumine the garden parties of Nero. The wind was blowing. The waves were crashing in the boat. It was threatening to sink. And the question was, don't you care? Don't you care that we're in the middle of this mess because we're doing what you told us to do? We are rowing as hard as we can. We are going, you said, to the other side. And here we are in the middle of the mess. For God's sake, help us. You know what they felt like, right? So this letter comes to them. This text comes to them. And this is, this is Mark's point. If Jesus is in the boat, it doesn't matter if you drown. Now, that's hard. Because we think God exists to solve all of our problems. No, he doesn't. It's not about us. What would he possibly be doing then with this group of disciples, with that church, with this text, maybe with us here even this morning? Do you think he might be discipling his disciples? That he might be training them in a certain way of following him? when all hell was going to be breaking loose all the way around them so that they didn't give up, so that they would be constantly reminded that he is with them, that they are not alone, even if he's sleeping. A God who is God sleeping in the boat is a whole heck of a lot better than anything else you've got going. He is training them in strength. What were these guys? They were fishermen. So they ought to have capacity to do this, right? And what did they discover? Their training, their ability, their skills, their uh, capacity over time, trained by a lifetime of fishermen, simply was not enough for life that was coming at them so fast. It wasn't enough. All of their training, all of their expertise, all of their physical strength, all of the ways that they have been trained to manage was not enough. What's enough? Jesus present with us in the boat. That's enough. So we've been talking about the nature of the kingdom. How many of you are starting to get the feeling that the kingdom and its ways are completely opposite of the way we usually try and manage life? That's what he's doing. He's saying to them, you will not be able to fight the battles of your life. Your life 
You are insufficient for your life in the kingdom, but I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. You can instead be faithful. You don't have to be fearful. You can be faithful. What does faith mean? We've defined it as standing in the reality of Jesus as God. So the answer to the question that the church at Rome knew that these disciples didn't yet know was, asleep in our boat is God Almighty. That's good enough for me. What do I do? What does a faithful response look like then? Well, in this case, it looks like rowing and bailing. It looks like not giving up. It looks like continuing to press on in a marriage that's going sideways. It means continuing to press on in an economy that's troubled. It means continuing to move forward in spite of the diagnosis you have received. It means continuing to row and to bail as best you can, knowing that you are not ever alone because you know who Jesus is and you know that he is present with you. It does not mean that everything will turn out right. It means that you will. It does not mean that money will drop magically into your mailbox. It does mean that you're never alone and you'll be okay. There are worse things that can happen to you than bankruptcy. There are worse things that can happen to you than a cancer diagnosis. There are worse things that can happen to you than a pink slip in your pay envelope. How many feel the wind blowing? How many feel the waves crashing? And you're just wondering, am I, am I, am I going to make it? And Jesus says to you, I'm not worried. That was what was going on when he was sleeping. It's not that he was unaware of the storm. It's that the storm was irrelevant to him. Why? Because he knew who he was. Jesus, for one second, did not lose a grip on his identity. He knew that if it was the Father's time for him to go, he was going to go. He's not foolhardy. He's not stupid. But he is confident. Do you see what happens here? Because what happens with us is when we lose our grip on who we are in Christ, we become fearful. We revert to the old ways of doing things. We think our old strategies, redoubled, will get us there. And what does Jesus invite us to? Know who I am. Know who you are in me. And don't be anxious about anything. Really hard, huh? How many liked it better when it was about Jesus stilling the storms in your life? Yeah, me too. Right? But we're invited into, because remember, he's training us so that he can empower us to do whatever we want. We need strength training. Yes? We need to learn how to persist when life doesn't work. We need, because we don't have it up there, but because it's back at the beginning. But did you notice that there were other boats with them that don't have Jesus in them? Somebody's got to tell them how to negotiate the storms that are common to us all. Somebody needs to say to a next-door neighbor who has received the same pink slip that you do, 
Don't worry. Don't panic. It'll be okay. That doesn't mean you're going to keep your house. It doesn't mean that you're not going to deal with tough stuff. It just means that the essential part of who you are is not going to get lost because who you are is hidden with God in Christ. And if you don't lose your grip on who Jesus is and don't lose your grip on who you are in Jesus, you can say to the strong man, you can say to the winds, the waves that are blowing upon you, you can say, Shut up. And the calm, maybe not external, will be internal. You know what that's like. Um, Ziggy. Anybody know the cartoon character Ziggy? I have, a, I have a poster that says, If you can keep your head while all about you others are losing theirs, you clearly don't understand the situation. It's a play on Rudyard Kipling's poem, right? Here's my tweak on that, and here's what I think Jesus is saying. If you can keep your head while all about you, others are losing theirs, you have been with Jesus. And you know that Jesus is with you. And if he sleeps, he sleeps. Can you imagine a better privilege for a disciple of Jesus to care for God in the middle of the storm? rather than to be cared for by God in the storm? My sense is, friends, that some of you are being invited to just that stewardship this morning. The storm is blowing, and he's saying, can I trust you to row while I sleep? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we sit with this text and it is, it is alarming and challenging and encouraging and provoking all at the same time. We recognize, Lord, that our capacities for this kind of stuff are just not enough. We don't have it. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're training us. Thank you that you're leading us. And now, Lord, as we transition into response, I pray that you would be present that you would minister strength and courage, that you would help us. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden, or if you would like to find out more about The Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.